0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod, I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be dissecting all the goings on in the final weekend of the Six Nations, including Ireland's fourth Grand Slam in their history. The drama around Freddie Stewart's red card, we'll be assessing how all the teams will look back on the competition and discuss who the player of the tournament should be. Plus, we'll be chatting to Finlay Beelam to hear about the St Paddy's Day celebrations in Dublin. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. How
2: was Mother's Day, guys? Do anything special? Oh, Mother's Day. How relaxing it is in the Hamilton household. We asked one thing Mum, what do you want? Do you want flowers? Do you want chocolate? Do you want a lion? She said, No, I just would like a calm day as a family. Did she get it? No, no, the kids don't fall into line with stuff like that because dad's back, dad's home. So it's fun time, it's carnage time, and that's what it was. So I do feel a little bit sorry for Beck, but no, all good, all good. Happy Mother's Day to all you great women out there. Obviously, life can not continue or be without women, if you can say that now. I don't know whether you can say that but I can because that's how I see it so happy Mother's Day to everyone and yeah all good I'm happy to be home is what I'm saying it's a good job we're not going to Hong Kong in seven days because (laughs) who would want to go there when you're absolutely bollocks and you've been on the road for six weeks but again I will never complain because I love my job and I love my life yeah
3: Sunday Mother's Day recovery day really wasn't it after the week we had last week but yeah your twins Jim I mean your twins are a couple of weeks older than mine do they do anything you say
2: no. <laughs> Nor do no.
3: mine, for me. Probably because we're not there enough over the last few weeks. But yeah, pandemonium at home. I watch the kids behave perfectly for my nanny. And then when they're with me on their own or it's me and the missus, it is like a zoo or a war or whatever you want to call it. It's hard work, isn't it? So yeah, it was a bit of a recovery day because we had a busy week last week. Dublin, how are you?
2: Well, I can tell you, it's left in a trail of devastation. Andy Good and... A little bit of Well no, Zebo didn't. Zebo got in his car and left after the show, which was the right thing, but I can tell you how it is. It's got Andy Good's footprint, his cigarette butts, his vape, mate, vape. Oh yeah, you know, like whatever the metal things are. And the kebab boxes left. And the toilets had got an absolute abrim because you can tell you value that after all the Guinness.
3: Yeah, it was good Zebo was very good in Dublin. He wasn't good, he was great, weren't he? He was brilliant. He gave as much as he got from it's always weird in Dublin, isn't it? Because you get a lot of Munster folk, because they all come up for the finance jobs, don't they, to Dublin. So there was plenty of Munster fans there as well as Leinster fans. But yeah, that was a brilliant night. And then came home pretty, a little bit ropey on Thursday, misses the books tickets for Darren Brown on Thursday night, which... If you can imagine having a big night in Dublin on Wednesday, the last thing you want to do is go back into London. Oh, my goodness. you go to a show. But it was a brilliant show, actually, I must say. And then Friday was another one at the live show.
0: Bernard Jetman.
3: Yeah, it was a brilliant show with Bernard. But as ever, James,
2: the smoke bomb came out, didn't it, James? Yeah, Kaiser Sose like that. He's gone. And people, look, you know, it's not corporate James. It's family man James. And it's also, I had to be at the stadium. Who has a kickoff at half 12? Well, I'll tell you who has that. A game in which they thought was going to be the wooden spoon decider that no one's bothered in. That's why they had that game at half 12, the Scotland Italy one. So I had to get back for that. So I was on the red eye to get home. And then the main reason I didn't do it was because I knew I was flagging after what's been a busy few weeks Mother's Day, all in, high energy. There's this saying, right? It's quite interesting. And this is something, Andrew, which you will be across. Andy Rowe, not quite yet because you're Andy Rowe and that's just who you are. But <laughs> there's a few alter egos for me, right? And that's fine, Ro. I am envious. I wish I just had Jim and that was it. But it isn't just Jim because there's now a few different layers. You've got Jim. You've got Jimbo, who was in Hong Kong a few years ago, who missed his flight. You've got James. Hold on a minute. Just
3: on that story, there was a bloke at my gig with Charles Tirrett on uh, Saturday that I was hosting for the England game. A lad comes up to me and goes, Remember that story that Jim told about Hong Kong? And there was a bloke in the bedroom in the background. That was me. And you played against him at Nottingham, didn't you, James?
2: (laughs) I don't know. Don't know who he
3: is. Yeah, 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 yeah. You do.
2: Nah, no idea. He played
3: at Rotherham. He told me all about it. Nah,
2: got no idea who he is. But that bloke (laughs) is Jimbo, who a lot of people really like. Beck, on the other hand, hates that bloke, hates him. Once a year is allowed to come out. Last year was with Davy Pesh. Yeah, Beck's not happy after that one. So you've got Jimbo, who was in Hong Kong and who I'm trying to not bring out this time in Hong Kong. I've got James, which is, you know, me when I'm talking to people of more importance than me, which is generally a lot of people who wear suits. And you've got Corporate James, which is my new job. But then you've got the home gym, haven't you? Is it Jim at home or is it James? No, it's Jim. Beck calls you Jim, does she? Yeah, I swear under my breath sometimes, but in can hear me shouting in the toilets when I'm, I'm annoyed with the kids and stuff like that. But this comes on to my point. I don't feel as if it's fair to be this loud, legendary Jim or Jimbo on stage or when we're doing live shows and we're rocking up for podcasts and events. And then get home and be miserable as fuck so i'm trying to find that barometer of just me all the time so the kids and beck get the best version of me well i'm absolutely hanging and flagging and they ain't seen it yet i don't even know who that bloke is (laughs) but they ain't seen it yet but it's one of them things andrew where you've got to try and be your best version of yourself at home and if you've had two hours sleep you've had three kebabs you've had 42 pints of guinness in two days and five of them plastic things that blow smoke out. I don't imagine the best version of Andrew Good is knocking about in the Range Rover on the driveway and unloading the dishwasher, is he?
3: Do You sometimes think, right, when you're pulling at home and you're in your car and everyone's in the house, I sometimes think, could I have a little sleep in the car right now? <laughs> just just like that. No, listen, it's, it's life, isn't it? We're out on the road. The Six Nations has been unbelievable for events and hosting stuff and live shows and match days etc etc we've been very busy and it carries on getting busy because we've got a load of stuff Hong Kong 10s and the 7s and all that stuff coming up but how many days do you need to stop drinking Guinness before it just turns back when you turn around it's a normal colour again
2: I'd say more than two for you more than two okay
0: for you We've got a few to go then right shall we talk about what happened in Dublin over the weekend Goody were you impressed with England, considering where they were a week before? This ain't about England.
3: You know, England were better. They showed a bit of heart and ticker and all that stuff. But let's just focus on Ireland and what they've achieved for the Grand Slam. No one even came close to them. You look at all the games, they've got bonus points in every game. No one's come within seven points of them. We're talking France, second best team in the world. You know, they dusted them by, was it 12 or 13 points? Obviously, dominated Scotland in that second half dominated England after Freddie Stewart got sent off, and we'll get onto that in a minute. Credit to Ireland, Andy Farrell, Mike to Easterby, the coaches. Who else have I missed out from the coaching panel? Probably about two or three, but Johnny Sexton leading the charge as skipper, breaking the record with his first kick, being the human being that he is, and the leader. And you speak to any Irish guys, and we, we know a fair few now, and they love him to bits, don't they? And he's led this team to unbelievable brilliance over the last few years after Jim Hamilton wrote him off post-2019 World Cup. And the best thing about it is he sent me a message at 4am on Sunday morning. So I sent him a message, he'd put some stuff up on Instagram, I sent him a DM saying well done and all that stuff and uh, he sent me one back at 4am on Sunday morning. So we went hard and that's that's the level of respect I have for that man. If anyone is up t- till 4 in the morning drinking, they're my
2: sort of guy. Yeah, I'm pumped for Ireland. As well. Like genuinely, we thought it was going to work out this way at the beginning of the tournament when we said to say who we thought was going to win. And we both said it. Ireland for the Grand Slam. Like many people did. Yeah. Like that's what we thought. And you know what? You said Scotland Grand Slam, didn't you? No, I didn't say Scotland Grand Slam. I said Scotland third, if you go back through it. <laughs> so that's what I said. England fourth, Wales fifth, Italy sixth. We can go through that. I don't want to say expert, but I did have Wales to get beat by... Italy in Italy, and that didn't happen. So it's a bit of humble pie, which is absolutely fine. So we finished third. And again, we can talk about that a little bit later because it is all about Ireland, a team that are unplayable, whoever they put in there. You mentioned the coaches there, like Paul O'Connell under the radar. You see, there's him? one I missed. Yeah, you see him popping up every now and again. I've got a good mate in the performance side of it, Stephen Much. Big shout out to him as a physio. You know, Dan Sheehan looked like he was going to be out for two or three weeks and managed to get him back on the field to do what he did at the weekend and they've just got great people in and around Ireland you look at the under 20s they get the grand slam for that you look at what the club game is doing you look at the school system you look at the sevens they've just got it right it all starts from the very bottom from the organization one thing they don't get right is they don't give us access during the tournament that's one thing which is a shame and the same as Goody you know Johnny Sexton he was messaging you at four. Was he was messaging me at three? I'm just saying he was just a bit before, mm. so he wasn't. I was chatting to him on Sunday, obviously trying to get him on the podcast today, but he's looking like he's struggling a bit with his groin, which again is probably a blessing in disguise because it means he might get a clear run just at the World Cup. But brilliant team, brilliant people. Apart from the media team, who don't give us access to any of the players, which was going to be my point, and thoroughly deserved. And you know what, Andrew? And this is me speaking frankly and speaking honestly. I think they had their toughest test at the weekend. Whether or not it was emotion, whether or not it was the way that England played, I think it was a little bit of both. But the game had so much. And one of the things we wish wouldn't have happened, shouldn't have happened. But I thought England gave them a proper test match. And that's probably not a bad thing again for Ireland going into the World Cup. Because as we know, at World Cups is what everyone's looking at and where they've really struggled in all the World Cups. And you look at that side of the pool where if they if when they make it through their group, they're gonna to have to rock up against the France in France or at all blacks, who no one's really talking about, but we know how good the All Blacks are. So I think having a tougher game against England, but it was a brilliant account that England gave of themselves. One last thing for me on the tournament, brilliant. No real negativity apart from the decision at the weekend. But on a whole, we're talking about the rugby, aren't we? And there's no real issues. In the Six Nations, and I go back to the initial thing, at Goody, having played in the tournament with yourself, against yourself, it's one of the greatest rugby tournaments, if not the biggest and greatest rugby tournaments on the planet. So it's been a brilliant few weeks.
0: Yeah, it certainly has. You mentioned Johnny Six in there a few times, guys. Is he the best player Ireland have you ever had now? Yes, comfortably.
3: Comfortably? Yeah. Drico's up there as an individual, without a shadow of a doubt. And there are, you know, some unbelievable... Ex-players, you know, you're going back over the archives. So, you mentioned Paul O'Connell there before. He's got to be up there with some of Ireland's greatest ever players. Brian O'Driscoll's one. Keith Wood. Keith Wood, another. You've got Willie John McBride. And then the one that everyone says, you go to Ireland, a lot of people say Ireland's greatest ever player is Mike Gibson. So Gloucester. Yeah. And there's individual brilliance, right? And Johnny Sexton is a brilliant individual. He's had moments of individual brilliance, but in terms of the overall package of leadership you know steering a team for a long long time Barry I think he made his debut in 2009 was it so what we're we talking we're talking 14 years effectively yeah once he'd won that battle with Ogara when Ogara eventually you know went to the bench and then retires
2: we didn't even mention Ogara
3: no Ogara <laughs> yeah there you go but what Johnny's done what he's achieved what he's won And ultimately, you're always going to be judged on World Cups, right? And they haven't got past the quarterfinals yet. You said their biggest test was England. Their biggest test was France. I think whatever happened on Saturday, they were always going to win that game. It was nervy at times, but that French game, if you think back to it, because it was round two, it's probably a long way distant in our memories after the amount of Guinness that we've drank since then. But that was an absolute humbling. And people were saying that game was one of the best Six Nations matches they'd ever seen, right, in terms of ball and play time and everything that went on. But going back to individuals, Johnny Sexton... Has been unbelievable for a ridiculous amount of time for them. Their most important player. You think back. When was the last time you said someone else was Ireland's most important player except for Johnny Sexton? And with what he's won with Grand Slams now and Six Nations titles, the icing on the cake for him. And they said it after the game, didn't they? At the weekend, Faz said it will be the World Cup. Though bigger fish to fry. I'm um, all I'm thinking is where's the chippy? I love their laser focus. You know, it's Grand Slam. They loved it. It's great but hey the world cup's around the corner and that's what they're going to be judged on and I'm watching the game we said it a little bit last week maybe not on our on our show but more so at the live shows around there is that chance that they'll be a bit nervous the pressure of it all they're at home it's paddy's weekend you know, it's against england which always brings an extra edge and it took a while to breaking England down and england were a lot better than I thought they would be but still not good enough to challenge them so to answer your question Andy Rowe Johnny Sexton comfortably the best Irish player ever
0: I agree Andy Farrell was saying that Ireland are nowhere near their best at the moment. Is he just trying to keep his players grounded
2: or do you guys see the next area where they can improve? Well, always when you listen to Andy Farrell or Owen Farrell and people of Northern descent who are in successful rugby role, Steve Borthwick, that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? It is the tagline. It's one that's been used many times. I don't know how much better Ireland can be. Give us more access. Yeah, giving us giving us more access. Let's do a one-on-one the night before, or even the day of a game. Maybe that is what Andy Farrell is talking about. He wants the lads to come on the podcast all the time. I can't see huge growth. For them, it's going to come down to the pressure and how they deal with the pressure. I look at them as a complete team. I look at them under adversity. We saw that against Scotland with Josh van der Fleer throwing the ball in, players playing in different positions, uh, the strength in depth. That they've managed to accumulate them putting Bundiaki at 13, which didn't work, but they still ended up winning the game. I look at the carrying ability from one to 15, 1 to 23 one to twenty-three, one to thirty, whoever's in the squad. Where can they get better? The one big thing, and it always comes back to this, and this is a generalization rather than a specific on that question about the team. They are so reliant on Johnny. And the one thing around Johnny is the fact that like he is now, is his body is clearly hanging on, hanging on in there to get to that World Cup and the importance around that. Is there anyone, and we've seen snippets of Ross Byrne, is there anyone else we might potentially find out? But I think collectively as a team, I look at the line-out, I look at the innovation around that, their pick-and-go game, their tap-and-go game, over the ball. I thought Jack Conan, when he came on, is anyone better than Calen Dorris at the weekend he came on and was the best player? I thought it is just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. You've got Stuart McCluskey who played, he's been injured, Henshaw's now back, mentioned Bundiaki, Gary Ringrose, nasty injury, but they've managed to fill in the gaps. Hugo Keenan, you've got Mac Hansen, Australian weird-looking bloke on the wing, little bloke too small to play, 15s rugby, one of the best, got named in the rugby pass, ultimate 15, James O, you've got the Kiwi on the other wing, you've got young lads coming through. He's just saying it, I think, just because there's not a lot else to say, is there?
3: No, I mean, you can't say we're fucking great now and we're going to be great in six months' time. You've got to keep them on the, you know, their feet on the floor a little bit. But also, yeah, the performance at the weekend was not Vintage Island. You know, you look at the France game, that was Vintage Island, right? So, you know, in the snippets against Scotland when it wasn't Vintage Island, but the second half was certainly a hell of a lot better. Listen, they're a fabulous outfit and you're never going to get a game go all your own way. They looked a little bit nervy in that first half, didn't they? And then Dan Sheehan's try, which straight off the training paddock, and that is them down to a tee. Within a game, there's always three or four of those moments for Ireland where you see the exact detail work in a way that they're practised time after time after time. It's not just the inside ball to Sheehan from Josh van der Vleer. It's the movement from the selfless movement from a lot of the other players and the understanding of, you know, you saw, I think it was James Lowe and James Gibson Park, who were back 10 minutes behind the line out. They actually weren't, they were about eight, but they were the decoys around the front to hold the front defenders from England. It's just the detail that they're at. And that's the coaching, that's the buy-in from the leadership group and all the players. And having a camp and a culture that they all love being part of. Um, Ireland have been very successful in the Six Nations for a long, long time. You go back to, and we're hearing a bit of it now around some of the players coming out, and I don't know whether they've said it so publicly, but we certainly know a lot of the players that have said they used to drive into the camp under Joe Schmidt, and yes, it was super successful. Yes, they won Grand Slam and titles, but they didn't enjoy the environment. They are on edge a bit. Like
2: who? Who said that? Was it Zeeba? Was it Zeebs?
3: <laughs> but this is the thing. When a coach is gone, the longer your time you go on, the more you know things come out. And, and that's what some of the players have said openly around a joe schmidt environment that was still super successful but now this environment under faz you can't find a fault in anything that anyone says and does except for the the press guy that won't give us access to players during the tournament that's one thing they could improve on but it'd be a hell of a team to be part of though you even saw the buy-in and sometimes it's very difficult for players that are on the periphery on the edge to really celebrate and really you know feel part of it but they all seem to feel part of something very special there and yeah, you know, they're riding the crest of a wave right now. And then ultimately that leads into a World Cup. And as he said,
0: bigger fish to fry. Let's talk about the red card. What was your take on it? Pretty sure getting sent off
2: was a foul play. Should it have been red? Not even up for debate. Should never have been a red card. Never. And this is the thing, right? Like I normally, I sometimes interact with people, right? So you put out a tweet and then you interact with some people who are wrong. I've not interacted with one person because anyone who says that that is a red card, in my opinion, but in other people's opinion who's played the game, and this is where, I'm really sorry, Brian O'Driscoll, there is, he had some beautiful glasses on, he looked great. I was very surprised that he said, them comments around that it is a red. I don't understand. Just let's get the safety element out. I understand that part of it, all right? We are all pushing in that direction. Having played the game, and we have been in similar positions. You see players in positions now. That is a rugby incident. I don't even need to tell you. That's what it is. You've got a play that's unfolded like that, kind of off the cuff. Someone who kicks the ball through and Freddie Stewart's running into the line and he's braced for contact because rugby is a contact sport. It's I don't, I don't even want to go through the mitigation. I don't even want to go through the conversation around the referee, you, know, you can potentially do that. The fact that that has been given a red card, in my mind, especially Yakko Piper, but it's paper, if you want to say specifically, and it's easy to sit at home and be like, right, that isn't. They've got access to everything. They've got an understanding of the game. They know about empathy. They know what a rugby instant is. I just am absolutely baffled that that was given a red card. I saw it in slow-mo, And I was like, yes, it looks worse in slow-mo because it's slow motion, but I would have been surprised with a yellow, but I thought he might just give a yellow because of everything around the player safety in the game. But to send him off in the context of that game, not that it needs to be any context, but the fact that it was a grandson decider, Paddy's weekend, the way that England have played, I looked at that and thought, you fucking wrecked the game. Wrecked the game. I imagine a lot of people turned off that game when they saw that. England gave a great account of themselves that there is a rugby incident. Freddie Stewart, you've got to ask yourself, what could he have done in that moment at high speed? I I don't know. Nothing.
3: He had 0.6 seconds from when the ball bounces to actually the contact that happened. 0.6 seconds. So if you remember, Matt Hanson has knocked the ball on. So he's got every right to go for the ball. He's got every right to accelerate onto it, thinking I've got a chance here. It's a turnover. And then there's the 0.6 seconds from when the ball bounces to it landing forward into Hugo Keenan's hands. And listen, Ireland win that game whether Freddie Stewart is sent off or not. So I'm not an Englishman going, oh, we you only won it because of the red card, which people have come at me on Twitter saying that. I, I haven't said that whatsoever. And even Mac Hansen messaged me going, you sore loser. <laughs> I was like, come on, mate. <laughs> you bloody Aussie. But it's yeah, one of those things that you feel for Freddie Stewart. We know he's not a dirty player. I know that doesn't mean anything in terms of the outcome and all this stuff. But I dived deep into my refereeing phone book friends, and many of them said it is not a red card. And this is the problem with the HCP, head contact process, being boxed into, you go from one box to the next box to the next box. There needs to be empathy with certain things. And if it's an upright head shot in a tackle where you're just going to go and maim someone, then there's no real issue with red cards. But this was an instant where he's accelerated to try and get the ball, And then the ball, because of the odd-shaped rugby ball that it is, has gone into Hugo Keenan's hands. He's then sort of tried to stop, pull out a little bit, twist, and it's an unfortunate accident. And actually, you could have found mitigation by the height of Hugo Keenan when he actually makes the contact with Freddie Stewart's arm or elbow or whichever point you look at. So, horrendous call. Did it ruin the game? Sometimes works in in different ways. You know, I'm sure it spurred England on a little bit just before half-time. You look at some of the tries and how they came about. A lot of Ireland's good stuff in the second half came from really intelligent kicks from Johnny Sexton. There was a crossfield kick that they end up pushing over. I think it was Anthony Watson get the scrum that leads to the Henshaw's try, and it's just clever play. So you find in space. You've got Sheehan's second try from the offload, which is again down the short side where you would have had a winger, but because you've you played with your back three because your fullback's gone, it's different. And then also. The very last try when you break out, Rob Herring breaks out from that line-out. And that's, there's three tries from losing a player. But clever from Ireland, and to every listener, Ireland would have won that game with Freddie Stewart sent off or with Freddie Stewart not sent off.
2: We don't know that for sure. Well, Freddie Stewart's one of England's best players. What I don't want people
3: to say is, you're saying that Ireland only won the Grand Slam because Freddie Stewart got sent off, and I'm not saying
2: that at all. So. And neither was I. No. The interesting thing about all this will be the fact that he's up for committee always been cited because that's what happens when you get a red card on Tuesday and whether the social media influence of all this to stick with the ACO paper will be a two week ban or a three week ban. And you look at some of the red cards that we've seen proper high shots. Mohamed Howes gets three weeks for a headbutt where he comes across for the counter rook. I don't know how they will look at that out of principle, the fact that we've called them out, the rugby pod, Jim and Goody, and we have that much influence. But that is one of them where it's easy to go straight online, and that's how we interact around it, to call out the referee. But I just thought he was so much better than that. And that's a big statement. Mm. Because in a game of such magnitude, and it was because of everything that was England in, I think about that That could have been, I know it wasn't, that could have been a Six Nations grandstand decider. That could have been a World Cup final. And if that decision is happening in a game like that, because they're seeing it that way, then that needs to change. Like we need to call that out. And that's the reason why I've got frustration.
3: But it's interesting. You talk about the judicial process now, and this happened to me. So rewind your minds back to when I got sent off for Worcester Warriors against... Leicester Tigers.
2: Judas and Crofty. That was Judas.
3: But this was a drop ball. So I'm covering across, waddling across the backfield. Crofty has got, I think it was Ed Slater, tried to give him an offload, and he it's gone behind him, so he's dropped it. And I've got 0.5 seconds to react. So I'm just thinking shoulder Crofty square in the face because he used to dangle McDonald's over me when I wasn't allowed to beat them, and he was because they were trying to put weight on him. But actually, I went to my judicial hearing. and I thought, I'm done here. Like, I'm getting two or three weeks... I needed one more start in my contract for Worcester to get a bonus, and I'm thinking I'm going to get banned. And we're in the hearing, and one of the judicial officers has sat there and said, um, "Andy, what are you doing with your your left hand there?" So I've gone right shoulder into his basically into his mush, but my left hand is here like this, held up, and he's like, you-
2: "I thought you had bigger hands than that game. Well, oh you? yeah, hands, you got small
3: hands, no? huh?" <laughs> yeah. And he said, um, "He said you look like you're trying to stop yourself and brace yourself there. I said, sir, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And I got away with it. So he was like, the red card is enough. You don't need a ban for this one. So hopefully common sense prevails and Freddie Stewart doesn't get a ban.
0: Let's talk about England a little bit. I know we've spoken about Ireland. Steve Borthwick, will he have learned anything from that game? They are obviously a lot better than the week before, Goody.
3: I'm hoping there's some big difference in whatever emotion or whatever... Pre-match build-up went into the Ireland game compared to the France game because the France game you looked at it and it was a team that they weren't at the races physically. They were it was men against boys as we spoke about and there's got to be something emotionally to tag yourself to on a, on a game. The physicality they came out with and our discipline was you know slightly off, but that comes with the line speed that you're trying to produce and then competing at every breakdown. What he learnt was actually there is a lot of ticker in this team in a fight. But you also learned that you're playing the best team in the world and ticker and fight and hard work and a bit of you know mauling and gooing and you know trying to be physical and trying to put Sexton off and you know all, the, all those basics which should be sort of non-negotiables in a game aren't enough to beat the best team. So you'd hope the learning is, okay, we can have a, a foundation of physicality and a foundation of where we're at and one thing you will learn is whenever Manu Tu Lang' fit pick him, because you talk about physical specimens, you talk about tackle count and effort on effort. Manny was right at the forefront of it. Jack Willis as well. He made about 30 tackles. One of them very illegal towards the end with the tip, but that was a clear out more than the tackle. That effort and that work rate is great, but the learning you've got to have from it is, okay, there's a building block, but we need to attack. We need more an attack to be able to, if you're going to get anywhere in the World Cup, you know we'll get to, we should get through our group and then, the quarterfinal against either Australia, Fiji or Wales, and then you're playing in a semi-final and a final, you're playing one of the big teams. And if we just rock up with a basic game plan of we're going to kick everything deep, we're going to try and drive line outs and put pressure on teams, the game's moved on, I think, for those top teams that can unpick you without a, a decent attack yourself. So the learning is... We've got six months now. We're going to have loads of time together where we can really get to know each other and get excited about playing for England. And when we do, we're going to be excited and excite the crowd. So find some attack. And I don't know where that comes from because Nick Evans, And I'm really sad about how England have attacked in the Six Nations with such an exciting attack coach who's now leaving. Obviously, Richard Wigglesworth is going to come in at the end of the season. And that's again a Steve Borthwick coach who kick it chase it let's see how we get on and put pressure on them so we've got to add more to our game there are some improvements that we made at the weekend but why don't you just study Ireland and France and Scotland to a certain extent and how they play and try and pick out the best bits from them Yeah, you watch Ireland play every player can ball handle and I've said it for years on here out the back front door Chuck a fifteen meter pass, chuck an inside ball. You know, understand the line, sit a defender down, and that's the detail we've got
2: to get to. Where do you look for with England in going into the World Cup? We don't really know. We're guessing, and we're giving our opinion on the strongest team. Is Owen Farrell the ten? I think he is. Goody thinks he is. Does Manu Tuilangi start? We both think that he should do. Anthony Watson, for me, he's a test match, a top level test match player. Very similar to Liam Williams. Every time that he plays international. He looks unbelievable. Freddie Stewart starts. Who are the second rows? Have we found that mixed yet?
3: I thought Ribbons put himself
2: out a bit, yeah. South African. English. Is the makeup of the back row? English, mate. English, South African. I like Ribbons. I'm a big fan of his. The back row, is that the right thing? So the difference is with Ireland, France, Scotland, All Blacks. I'm not too sure about Australia. I don't know enough really about their team. South Africa, you can probably pick 10 at the starters, 11, 12, maybe, of them starters going into the World Cup. With England, is, is that their starting team? Do you know what I mean? Like, with a, a, another fit second row? You know, that's certainly the back row that he likes. Is that the right back row that can win a World Cup? And Courtney Laws comes back in, doesn't he? Yeah, if he's fit, this is what I mean. Like And the other Curry. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But maybe the way that the, the pool's been done and their path to the semi-final will suit England because it isn't as difficult as the other side of the of the ball
3: and on that James now you are corporate James World Rugby James Hamilton can you seriously change the draw at the World Cup for 2027 so they don't draw it three years in advance or whatever they do because it's absolutely ludicrous right now that you've got I'll sort that. the top five teams in one half of the draw sort it out Jim will you
2: World Rugby You've heard it here first. I'll sort that out before Australia 2027.
0: Well, let's find out how the Irish celebrations went down. We can have a chat now with Ireland prop Finley Beelam. How are you, mate?
4: Very well. Thanks, lads. Uh, really, really big honour to be here. Thank you so
2: much. No, it's brilliant to have you. Can I just ask, if you got are your eyes open or closed? I can't see your eyeballs. <laughs>
4: <What>? They've just <laughs> opened like an hour ago. Um, big <laughs> few days. I'm home now. Made it somehow. But yeah, it was a brilliant weekend.
2: Just on the celebrations. And I know you picked up an unfortunate injury and we can maybe go through the archives as well. How does a team celebrate winning the Grand Slam in this uber modern professional social media, camera phones, videos being taken everywhere? How does a team and the players celebrate that?
4: Uh, We definitely celebrated and we celebrated pretty hard. We had two good days there. A few boys uh, are left over uh, today in Dublin having a few more, but um, a lot of it's quite private and just family members and Coaches the players, so it's a uh, pretty away from all the you know mayhem of uh, all the busy places. So um, yeah, lads can really let their hair down. Some more than others, but oh, we're going to. You could probably guess who. But uh, it was a good few days. <laughs> Mac, <laughs> the Mac must have gone wild. Mac was a superstar. Yeah, uh, he's my roommate, and I'm often tasked with you
3: know bringing him home and just getting him to bed, up with him during the night. Yeah, but uh, no, nah, he was he was in good form. Right? Well, talk us through it. Then, obviously, celebrations, it looked amazing. Free from desire is going on. Free from desire in the stadium. Looked great. Are you just thinking, like, this is amazing. Where's the piss? <laughs> Where are we drinking? You obviously soaked up the changing room as well. So many things to soak up because, it. you know, that's an unbelievable thing to happen on that weekend in your hometown of Dublin in terms of Ireland's home ground, etc. How hard did you go?
4: Very hard. Um, I'm... <laughs> On about like three or four hours sleep over the last uh, couple of nights. um, We had a few Friday nights, just some of the non-playing boys. And then uh, Saturday and Sunday were big. And I don't know how lads are doing today. Like, it's crazy. But um, unfortunately, I'm in tomorrow at Connacht, so I'm missing out on the the day tree. But it was an unbelievable weekend. We celebrated hard. It was an unbelievable occasion. And I suppose to lift the trophy trophy in Dublin, it was what dreams are made of. The whole crowd stayed around for us to do our lap. And it was some atmosphere. It was unreal.
2: Yeah, that's brilliant. And the fact that you are speaking candidly, it's great that you're going out celebrating. If not now, then when? And I think you look at the emotion in the lead-up, uh, how good the competition was. And I suppose there was a lot on that game for not just Ireland as a country and the players wanting to win it, but there was like added emotion Johnny Sexton, maybe, I don't want to say. I'm not going to retire him again.
3: <laughs> He's unretiring himself now. He said he might come back after the World Cup. We were Cup. all chanted
4: last night saying, uh, one more year, one more
3: year, one more <laughs> what
2: year. What did he
4: say? No, nah, he kept his head down.
2: <laughs> he couldn't see.
4: Yeah, none of us could see, but uh, we're just trying to, you know, try and get him to do one more year. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, he was in good spirits.
2: Is there any emotion around that? I know it's a professional sport, Look, but did anyone speak? If you can share, I'm not going to expect you to share everything because I know you were closed off Group and Andy Farrell and the media team like that, but like after that, do do people get up and speak, or or is it just a case of you know Andy Farrell saying a few words, or is there some emotional conversations around any of the senior players to the group?
4: Uh, So Fez spoke after the game, and then Johnny spoke as well, and I suppose for for Johnny, potentially, well, unless he does the one more year, it's his last uh, Six Nations game in in Dublin. So look, I was uh, emotional for him. It's uh, he's had some career. He's Honestly, one of like the you know the best player I've ever played with. He's what he demands I've ever run. The standards he sets, uh, there's leadership like he's the whole package. So, it was emotional but look, there's still a world com- coming up now in a, in a couple of months so we'll be very much look forward to that.
3: Talking about Johnny Sexton, the, the bit I loved, I'm, I've watched a fair bit of the celebrations over social media over the last few days. The bit that I loved, his son prefers Mac Hansen to his own dad now because he sat with Mac, the caps were going on back to front and all this stuff and he he realises that Mac Anson is cooler than Johnny Sexton. How, cool, how good is that, that actually it's humbling? You are the, probably the greatest ever Irish rugby player and your son prefers Mac Anson to you.
4: <laughs> Mac's very cool. I think he's getting a tattoo because we, obviously we won the slam, so he's he was speaking about potentially getting a tattoo of Faz, but uh, we'll see if that happens or not. But um, Mac's a very slick individual, just the way he carries himself and getting in the mixes like that, he's brilliant.
2: Talking about the obvious, and we've had Mac Hansen on here, we've had James Lowe on here, you maybe see where I'm going, but for the listeners who maybe haven't heard you speak, watched you play, just a little bit about your backstory, if we may. I mean, it's great to have Australian accent, which is West Irish, kind of mixed into... One, but what's your backstory is what I'm effectively asking. I, I love the fact that, you know, you have a, a different mix of players in different teams.
4: Yeah, I suppose when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was be a professional rugby player and that was my dream. Like every night, that's what I that's what I wanted to do. And I got an opportunity to come play for the Irish twenties and coming over as an 18, 19 year old was pretty daunting at the time and but through my mum's side of the family I, I was qualified to play for Ireland and we went there for our summer holidays, went up to Enniskillen, which if you don't know, it's a pretty small city. So we went there for our summer holidays and pretty bleak. But um, eventually after the 20s, I got picked up by Connacht. And here we are now, 10 years later, it's it's crazy. I married a Galway girl, settled in Galway. It's, uh, it's a beautiful spot of the world. It just rains. Like when I was driving back on the motorway today and lovely in Dublin. As soon as you come up to Galway, do you know, the clouds start opening and rain's coming down. It's, you just know you're heading to the west.
2: So, Ed Sheeran, that's the song. He, he's written that song about you, right? The Galway Girl. Yeah, yeah, of
3: course. Yeah, yeah. Binley is punching way above his weight as well. And it's a <laughs> <considerable> weight <laughs> to punch <him> above.
4: <laughs> You're not the first to say that, Goody, but I'm a very funny individual and I make Sarah laugh, which is the most important thing. So, yes. Um, and I do lots of things really well around the house,
3: um, <laughs> just loads of jobs. And so I make myself useful. Good man. Uh, I want to take it back to the coaches because we talked earlier about environment and everything like that and the environment and you speak to all the guys that are in the squad at the minute it's it's such a happy place to be the coaches the likes of Faz, Catty and Paul O'Connell these guys these are young coaches right that get it did they celebrate as hard as you boys as well but what is the environment like?
4: Oh the environment's unbelievable the culture Faz has has brought in it's Joe. I've I've really benefited from that and a lot of the boys have benefited from it as well. You know, everyone can be themselves. When we're in, when we're on, it's intense and it's hard and we we train bloody hard, but there's a social committee, we have a bit of crack for the lads and we really enjoy each other's company poorly, like fogs Caddy, Simon, like they're all unbelievable coaches. They all get it and they're world class. So I suppose the culture comes from the top down and they've done an unbelievable job. And the boys are you know, the boys can all be themselves. We've got a Mix of personalities, there's a shower of freaks around the place. Everyone could be themselves. There's no judgment. And, you know, when you're leaving a camp, you know, everyone, you know, you're not excited to leave. Everyone's kind of, you know, a bit upset. You'd be missing all the lads and missing the crack you'd have. So it just speaks to, speaks to the environment that they've created.
2: Just on Paul O'Connell, how is he? Because he's kind of in the shadows, isn't he? But he is one of the greats. I used to have titanic battles, not that he would call them that against me, but that was me against him. But I've become a little bit pally with Paulie like messaging now and again and stuff like that I'm a huge fan of him but how is he as a coach having just come out of the game but with you youngsters as well
4: well he's world class like I suppose because he's just come out of the game he he gets it from a player's point of view and then he's the way he delivers his detail it's second to none all the preparation that we put in through him and all the other coaches it's it's world class and if I had a problem about anything you can go up and talk to him and you're Sit there for 20, 30 minutes, just chewing the fat. He's an incredible bloke, but a, an unbelievable
3: coach as well. I read his book, actually, when I was on holiday. He loves a cigarette. So whenever you're ready, Paulie, I'm, I'm keen for one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> just on the, the Netflix thing, I know everyone's kind of likening it to the drive to survive thing. I don't know if you've seen The, the Last Dance with the Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, because yeah, yeah. Jim often talks about himself being the Dennis Rodman of his team. Do you have a Dennis Rodman in your team or is there any Dennis Rodman flying around in the Six Nations this season that you think is going to surface in the Netflix documentary?
2: Oh, there's definitely a few interesting characters there they're interviewing at the moment. Is someone taking a lead on that, Finlay? It's it's like because this is what you tend to find, don't you? Someone finds their way in and that's kind of their niche.
4: Peter Marnie, he's, he's really enjoying it. Is he? But yeah, oh, he loves it. Yeah, 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 he's...
2: um. No, this is... I don't know if I'm being serious. I, a, I, hold on. Oh, it is sarcasm. I knew yeah, it. Yeah. I was thinking, what well, he likes gardening. <laughs> he don't like Netflix. Jimmy,
3: you've been done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've, I've been done. It's the Australian wit. What about... So, so, is Mac into it or not? Like, surely someone's taken the lead.
4: I, I've gone pretty hard on it and got my character out there a bit, and Ports is doing it as well. He's a bit of a Viking himself, and he is a a lot going on behind the scenes. So I'm sure it'd be really interesting viewing when it comes out, whenever it does, uh, kind of nervous enough for it to come out to be honest I'm going to have to get Sarah to watch it for me and let me know it's okay to watch it if you want your missus to watch it first what have you done I just need her to give me the thumbs up that it's okay to watch and I haven't done anything ridiculous
2: <laughs> finley has got the fear listen absolutely vulnerable what you're just hearing things and whispers but I love that
3: <laughs> and you and Andrew Porter have bonded pretty well haven't you around heavy metal music and stuff eh
4: yeah me and Ports we're pretty much the same person tattoos, Vikings heavy metal, props so me and him we've bonded on the pitch and off the pitch as well he's a interesting character as well he's uh, deep into his heavy metal deep into his Viking stuff and when we get chatting I'm just like mate you're literally me but you're Andrew Porter like this is crazy so he's an incredible player Learned so much from scrummaging with him go to miss the last few games because uh, I was just enjoying working with him so much
3: How is the injury? Obviously missing the last couple of games you know I saw when you put the social media post out around that you gutted to miss the rest of it and you've been a huge part of the first few games how hard was it one to watch the game at the weekend not being part of it and two, how is the injury?
4: Yeah, the injury is going good, mate. I did my MCL, as Jim said on, on Twitter. He knew straight away. So, Dr. Jim. I got the stone-cold Steve Austin leg brace now.
3: Why is after three days on it.
4: Uh, it's a bit battered now, but uh, another week in it, and then get back running and get back to fitness. So, look, it could have been a lot worse. So we'll take the good with the bad. And to miss the last few games, it was tough, especially more so probably the, the England one on the weekend, sitting in the stands and... I honestly was more nervous than if I was playing just because I'm sitting there and and watching everything and would have given anything to be out there with the boys. But to watch it and see what the boys did over this campaign has been unbelievable and uh, I'm just so chuffed. It doesn't feel real at the
2: moment. I've got this kind of knack about me that I can p- pick up injuries. What a fucking noise! <laughs> <laughs> because I'm good mates with Stephen Mutch as well, who's the physio. Oh, Mr. Much. Mr. Mutch, yeah, weird, weird bloke. As in, he tried to bring me back from a knee injury when I tore my patella tendon by putting fingers in my mouth and pressure spots <laughs> in my <me> eyes. So it was <laughs> fingers. Yeah, he brought me back.
4: He's a genius, but uh, he's a bit um, quirky. Yeah, I was quirky is the right word, Jad. Yeah? Like if you had a sore toe, he might do something for your hammy or something. Then it'd be it'd be good to go. <laughs>
0: All right, Finley, we'll, we'll let you go and get some sleep, mate. Thank you very much for coming on the show, and congratulations on the, the Six Nations Grand Slam.
4: Cheers, man. Thanks for having me on. Talk man? Cheers, Fin. Cheers. Well done, mate. See you, boys.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was – all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed, you're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal, our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at vioricom slash Simmons. Once again, v-u-o-r-i.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Top blood.
2: Yeah, he is. He's is my holiday friend. He is punching. Is he? Well, mate. You know, he's playing for Ireland, mate, or Ireland, as they say. I'd like to think, I mean, not that Irish people don't have the looks, but, you know.
3: He's good around the house and he makes his missus laugh. That's that's what can. I think my missus laughs at me, though, not with me. That's something I need to work on. Yeah, he's a great lad. He's, you know what? He's done unbelievably well. I think back to the game at Twickenham last year, and this is you know rugby in a snapshot. He It was the first time after COVID, I think, his parents had come over and seen him play live, and he scores a try to break the record for the biggest ever win at Twickenham for Ireland. He scored at the end, if you remember. And he's obviously, Tig Furlong is supposedly the first choice tight end, but he is a brilliant player, a brilliant bloke. And by the sounds of it, he's had a good few days, hasn't he? Where's his eyes, Jim?
2: Yeah, I think they were closed for the majority of it, <laughs> but rightly so. It's good to hear. And that's the thing that Ireland are a closed off team. And the reason is because they're superstars within their country. So, yeah. It's good to hear that the celebrations have gone long and hard. Good bloke, big fan of his as well. Not just saying that because we've had him on and he's a bit of a character as well. So we'll get him on again for sure.
3: We mentioned it a couple of times and it was brought up. Mac Hansen. Mac Hansen's getting a tattoo now of Andy. Where's your tattoo of the Big Mac? All fart, no poo.
2: Hear me out. Hear me out. My wife said to me, spend two consecutive days with the kids and you can get your tattoo when and wherever you want. So You're
3: booking work everywhere.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'll get it done wherever. But maybe Hong Kong. I'm I'm definitely getting it. I'm the man of my word. I'm not going to not get it done. Good. So I'm happy to get it done in Hong Kong. I'm trying to think where else, when else. I was going to get it done in Dublin. But yeah, I just I was like, yeah, a bit dodgy around here. A bit dodgy. I, like, I want Big Mac with a K, not Big Mac without the K. And I just had the feeling when I went in, they, they didn't want to do the K. So maybe... When we're in Hong Kong, if not, then definitely when I'm back, producer Rob's going to come, he's going to video it. And he's going to, he, he says he's going to get Big Mac as well, just because he likes him so much. So <laughs> Definitely happening, so don't worry. And Big Mac's been all over me on social as well, because I've put that thing where the French newspaper Le Mans posted, come on England, and I sent it to him before the game. And he's like, mate, I'm just about to go out and warm up. Why are you sending me that? <laughs> Legend. You would have been nervous if you had another bet on for
0: that Scotland-Italy game, Jim.
2: Very nervous. Yeah, I just tweeted a picture actually before we recorded the podcast because I was at the game live and I know it was squeaky bum time with two or three minutes to go when they were picking and gooing, picking and jamming and they were a couple of centimetres away. And then I went back and watched the game and on the 70... What, and he's offside? Oh, well, it depends if you're Italian or Scottish. He is a mile offside. You know it, I know it. Okay, well, I I weren't going to pick that up. It was actually on the 76th minute and 50 seconds. They've got an overlap. They've one, two, three, four... It's like a four, it might even be a five-man overlap where Lamar has put the ball out. And I was in the stadium, I saw that they butchered it, but I was like, oh my goodness me. It was just like, what is happening here? And then I've just went back and watched it. Italy could have, should have won that game at the end. And Scotland with the Faguson interview, which I genuinely haven't picked up. Andrew, you're going to have to send me that. From being 19-6 up, and we saw the same in France when Scotland were 19-3 down or something ridiculous like that. This Italy team are different. Physical in collisions, in defence, when they carry, they're lacking, which is the obvious and comes off the back of me what I've just said, their accuracy, like taking the chances when it really, really really matters. And you've got this level now, the levels to it. You've got, you see Ireland do it. We saw France do it against Wales. That was arguably the difference. They took the chances. We've seen Scotland when they are and they have been at their very best, is when their skill set's under huge pressure and then they score. Italy get themselves in some brilliant positions. Uh, set piece, uh, the physicality, love uh, Lorenzo Canoni, said Negri, Michele Lamaro, love that back row. Paolo Garbisi, is night and day the best 10 in Italy. They've got a couple of good centres of Maurici and Ignacio Brex. Pierre Bruno on one wing is brilliant. Jay-Z! I didn't know much about him on, on the other wing, but... What a name, eh? What a name. imagine being called Jay-Z. Jay-Z. I know it's not, I know it. <laughs> Jay-Z! But Ange Kupawatsu, they were missing him as well. And I'm going to carry on the point around the game at the weekend, because Blair Kinghorn got the plaudits for scoring a hat-trick, and rightly so, but he's not a 10. No. In my opinion. And that was, I think we would have beaten Italy. Again, it's such an easy thing to say, but from where I was sat, which were, I've been, I've been upgraded lads to the soft cushions with a button where you're pressing and it heats you, yeah, I don't want to say that, but hey, man of the people. You say
3: that Jim, but I tweeted the picture of you live from the ground. They're definitely not heated seats and all I can see is the big penalty spot on top of the head.
2: No, that's not, well that's not me then is it? Because I was in the heated seats. Well, you've got the cravat on that you had on the night before. <laughs> Who wears a cravat? I never wear a cravat. (laughs) Uh, But from where I was sat, the space against Italy was on that edge. And actually, looking at the games at the weekend, it was the same Wales had a similar issue. Ireland had an issue with that 12-13 when they played against Italy. The edge was out there. And Blair Kinghorn its just that split second, as you know, of getting out there. Scotland played really well in parts of that game. But for me... This is talking up Italy, how far they've come. Their under-20s just finished third mm. in the under-26 nations. And next year, I know everyone talks about next year, I think they'll struggle at the World Cup when you look at the pool that they're in, which is France and New Zealand's, Yeah. I think it's going to be difficult for them. But I think this time next year, yeah, I think this is a team now to watch out for. Their front row. Whoever it is, they were missing Gianmarco Lucchese. The hooker's a good player who's been injured, but Fisgetti has been absolutely brilliant. Riccioni as well. Good team, yeah. Good physical team, and we were lucky to win that game. But so were France, and so were Ireland when they played them. You could say.
3: Well, I said it last week, didn't I? That I could see with the injuries to Finn and Hoggy, Scotland, the wheels coming off a little bit. And at nineteen six up, they should have gone on to win that comfortably. But credit. Itty, they came back, and I'm just going to have a moan about a referee. 78 minutes, and you haven't seen it, Jim, but you will have seen it, but you didn't notice it because you had your Scottish-tinted testicles out of glasses on, spectacles. <laughs> the pick and goo from the tap penalty, where it ends up being a knock-on. Have a look where Matt Ferguson is. He gets up off the deck offside, makes the tackle, right? Yellow card. In doing so, the Italian player knocks the ball on. All the referee sees the the knock-on, right? And then from the scrum, we know that they go the length. Brilliant try, by the way, to finish. And Blair Kinghorns hat-trick, Duan van der Merwe, my old absolute wheels. But rewind it, you're 1914 up. And it's a howler. It's an absolute howler from the TMO. TMO is having a poo, I think, or in the biscuit, Tim, because he should say, when he's got the, the view of this, that is a game-changing moment. The knock-on is due to Ferguson being about three yards offside.
2: I've got it on, yeah.
3: It's a yellow card. Every day of the week, it's yellow card. So Italians, they said they were hard done by and we had Garbisi on last week and he was like, no, we don't think that we want that. But Crowley went mad post Wales that they didn't get the rub of the green. And then again this weekend, crucial moment, 78 minutes in, have a look. Just watched it, you're right. He's miles offside, isn't he?
2: I wouldn't say miles, I'd say inches, but you can say well, miles is he if he you
3: want.
2: he's a yard. Mate, he's offside and I didn't pick it up,
3: yeah. And that's the big thing. And all the Italians, the captain... Goes over and he's like, he is like, he's offside, he's offside, he. And he's like, no, no, I've just got the knock on. But that's where the TMO, you've got to be better. Mm. TMOs do my nuts. Awful, some of them.
2: And this is the thing, is that we mentioned about it before. When you've got superstars in your team that players get away with so much more, they really do. Like I watched Anton DuPont blasted through Counter and Nick Berry, who looks a million dollars, told Anton DuPont to go back, get back into the breakdown. He didn't. He carried on coming through the breakdown. Thomas Williams had then gone for a box kick and it's gone straight out on the fall. And really the referee should have come back and said, Anton, you are the best player in the world, but it doesn't matter. That's still a penalty. And we see that, don't we? We saw that with the great Richard McCaw over years gone by. And I used to try and justify some of the stuff that I did was watching some of these greats and never got away with it. But you do see the best players getting away with Blue murder. Gregor, what's the latest
0: with him, Jim? Are they keeping him on or what's going on, mate?
2: Well, I was at the top table. After the game, I don't know how I've been upgraded. I've got, I've, I've, got no idea. Maybe I don't even know. But I was there with the big wigs at the weekend, and I think everyone's quite keen to keep him. And some people are like, "How? Like, what? You know, why are you saying that? Because they've just finished third. You look at who they've beaten. I mean, it's only England. You know, they, they were close to getting the wooden spoon this year, and you know, Wales, a team in transition, didn't do anything against Ireland in that second half. Yes. Could have should have beaten France and struggled against Italy at the weekend. But I've seen growth, personally. I think Greg is a large part of that. The Finn-Russell relationship has now been mended. He's got Brad Moore, who, as we know, was with the All Blacks before, it seems like a happy environment and a happy camp.
3: They're allowed three beers now. And they had four at the weekend. Oh, jeez. Unless you're
2: hoggy and you had 44. My goodness me. He's FaceTiming me the night before. He's up doing TV. So he's told his missus he has to come up for work for in case he transitions out of rugby fairly soon. So smart bloke. So I think he's on his own agenda. But I think from Gregor Townsend's point of view, he's going to have offers, right? It's a very... All the coaching job is internationally a stressful job. In Scotland, where you've played for Scotland, uh, you've coached Glasgow, you've done a bit of Scotland, there's no doubt about it. I imagine he's thinking, what other opportunities to grow as a coach are out there? And there will be loads. The, the ones in France have been mentioned. You know, Harlequins has been brought up before. I know Bristol. Leicester, were looking at them, Bristol's. Yeah, so I think it's up to him. What you've got to ask yourself, is there growth in this Scotland team? I think there is. It's the first time we've seen a settled back line. We've now got a bit of strength in depth. There's not much coming through with the under-20s, speaking frankly. So now's the time. Why would you change your coach? I don't think Mark Dodson and the Scotland Rugby Union want to. I think they'd like to keep Gregor maybe for another four-year cycle up to Australia. Personally, I'd like that. Before, I wasn't sure. I'm happy to say that I am sure now that I want that. There's talk of Liam McDonald out there. Andy Rowe, you were just talking about him going for the All Blacks job with Scott Robinson being in the mix and, and Jamie Joseph as well, the Japan coach. So for me, I'd like to see Gregor do another four years. Do I think it will happen? Yeah, I do. I think we'll see Gregor sign on for another four years.
3: What happens when you get knocked
2: out of the group stages of the World Cup? Well, I think there needs to be a level of acceptance with that, doesn't there? But I don't think we will be.
3: You're going to beat South Africa or Ireland? Who's not going to make it out of your group then?
2: I don't want to say, because Rassi listens to the podcast.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You said Ireland are the best team in the world, and you already said today that they'll qualify through their group and...
2: And I don't want to offend Rassi. You're
3: beating South Africa.
2: I'm not saying You're saying anything. to
3: I... me that South Africa aren't making it out of that group.
2: What do you mean, Hondry Pardo's too old? You <laughs> can't. <laughs> he's playing well what for Leicester now. an idiot. He is playing well for Leicester. Jasper Visa. He's a big human. Evan uh, Ezebeth is even bigger. Oh, gosh. I Look. Kalisi. Yeah. Well,
3: do you want to go through them? Peter steff Toy, you know. Well, you're saying Scotland are going to go through. So who's not making it? Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> 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 just because
0: cho- they've choked oh, at the World Cup but i mates see. with Johnny now so I don't I love say too much working with a deluded bloke some big improvements for Wales though they weren't really expected to do much against France and France but they scored four tries look miles better miles better Alan Wynn looked good didn't he?
2: yeah why the pause James? Well, it, it did look all right. I thought uh, Wales looked physical. They looked. So why the pause? I just had to go through, back through the archives. Gritted
3: teeth. You said it through gritted just, no, teeth. No, not
2: gritted teeth. No, Wales are a lot better physical. Must have been a tougher game for France to go from that game against England, knowing you're probably going to beat Wales, stop being horrible, but you're going to beat Wales. There's a Grand Slam decider going on, and it looked like, again, this sounds bloody harsh. If a car's got six gears, they did it in fourth gear, France. Yeah. That's what it kind of felt like. And Wales was stuffy. I really like Nick Tompkins at 12. I've always said that. I thought he was really good. Did you see him get rinsed by Untamac? I did see him get rinsed by Untamac, yeah. I felt for him. Yeah.
3: Untermark's so smooth when he runs, and he looked like he was jogging, and Tompkins is a he's an in-your-face player, he? and then he was just... <laughs> Some of the old dogs were back, weren't they? And that's that's Wales's conundrum. You know, when you got George North in the centres, 100 caps, Alan and jones play well, Ken Owens... But as Gat said pre-match, there's about eight of them that won't play in the Six Nations again. So for them, it's about holding on to the World Cup. And then if they were bad this Six Nations, right, when they still had some of the old dogs, imagine how bad they're going to be next year when even some of those old dogs are gone. Why are you been horrible about Wales again, Jim?
2: But this is what I mean. They, they, even when the chips are down, which they were, like they still managed to get a bonus point in Paris. And you look at the fight that they had and the physical elements to their game. I thought Adam Beard was brilliant. I thought Bradley Roberts looked really good when he came on, bagged himself a try. Funny looking dude. Looks a bit funny, but he was good. Aaron Wainwright, to see him back in the squad. Warren Gatlin was a huge fan of him. They were talking about him going on the Lions tour a few years ago. The likes of Jack Morgan coming through, Rio Dyer on the wing. Uh, obviously, Lewis rees Sammet as well. Owen Williams, we've seen him exposed to the Six Nations. Like, There's enough there to work with. But I think under Gatland, they had to have a culture in which they, they don't die. Excuse the analogy. And I saw enough at the weekend, but I, I just don't think France got out of fourth gear. They seemed fairly comfortable with what they were doing. And again, you look at the talent they've got. It was all about DuPont, Ramos at the back, Penno, who Rugby Pass didn't put in the 15 of the tournament, which again, I kind of agreed with Rugby Passes one. Duan van der McMurver and Matt Hansen, friend of the show. But Penno's a fantastic player. Hey, good team, France. All pressure on. The big question for them is, forget the Six Nations. Can they, at a home World Cup, do something? How good is that All Blacks game first up going to be? My word. My word. You know what I think they should do? And this is one of the pictures to World Rugby. France run out. Chabau leads them for the hacker. And Jason Momoa, for the All Blacks, (laughs) takes the All Black hacker. And they're stood there, like Jason Momoa stood there face to face with Sebastian Chabal. Yeah, combate. And then Chabal runs over and breaks his cheekbone, like he did to Ali Williams, or was it his jaw? Like that would just be unreal, wouldn't it? Or Jason Momoa starts under his post, Chabal under his post, and they run at each other naked, and just see who who breaks. Hey, that's my creative thinking. It's my creative director role for World Rugby. All oh, great ideas, Jim. Great ideas. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Who's your player of the tournament?
3: Dan Sheehan's been pretty special. Josh van der Fleer's been pretty special. Gary Ringrose has been pretty
2: special. Mac Hansen, a player that's played every game. Yeah. Do you have to give it for a player that's played every game? I think so, really. Yeah. He's had big impacts,
3: hasn't he? Mac Hansen, return. And we started off the Six Nations by having Mac Hansen on our podcast. So Ireland, mm. you are bloody well welcome.
2: Yeah, I would say Mac Hansen. Well, the Prims,
0: Beck this weekend and Saris are playing Quins at Tottenham Stadium the big battle could be Smith v Farrell and they've already sold 50,000 tickets and you can get 10% off tickets with the code POD on the Saracens website so go and check that out we also have a couple of free tickets to give away thanks to our friends at Framus Grouse. so check out our Twitter and Instagram for those competitions shall we finish things off now then with the good the bad and the ugly
3: yeah let's Ireland under 20 is going to get a shout out on the good this week they're the first side to ever win back-to-back Under-26 Nations Grand Slams. So not only are their first team pretty good, their Under-20s are pretty good too. So we're going to have a lot of Irish dominance coming up over the next few years. Big shout-outs to a few individuals, Dan Cole and Talupe Falatao, both won their 100th caps for their countries at the weekend. So big shout-outs to them. Josh van der Fleer made his 50th appearance for Ireland, so big shout-out to him. Shout-out to Blair Kinghorn. Not necessarily for his performance as an overall 10, because Jim said he's not a 10, but he scored a hat-trick, and two Scotland hat-tricks have occurred in the Six Nations since 1989, James Hamilton. Not yours against India, because that was for Leicester Tigers. Yeah. But both have been scored by Blair Kinghorn. What a stat that is. There you go. Hell of a player, but not a fly half in your opinion, James?
2: No, I think he is a brilliant, wonderful, and he will fill in once Stuart Hogg. Retires who can play 10, but at the highest level, yeah, I agree with you. Up against Italy,
3: but shout out to him. Imagine only two Scotland hat tricks since 1989 and you've got them both. So, big shout out to Blair Kinghorn. Scotland, get a shout out finish third James best ever it's like winning the Grand Slam for you boys that isn't it finishing third
2: don't, don't, Andrew don't be horrible because you're at the bottom of the table D- don't the table is split into three tiers effectively
3: best two teams in the world then Scotland us and you no then Scotland and then the rest us us and you in that middle bit and then Italy <laughs> and Wales at the bottom so. so yeah shout out for Scotland it's as good as they've ever managed so um, well done Scotland third another shout out to you this week Exeter Chief Chief Chiefs won the Premiership Rugby Cup with a relatively young side, they beat London Irish at the Tech on Sunday. So shout out to Exeter Chiefs for being back in the winner's circle with that victory. But the good this week has to go to Johnny Sexton and his Ireland team. Johnny Sexton playing his potentially last ever Six Nations game, even though... He said he might come out again out of retirement and all the lads were chanting one more year. But he's passed Ronan O'Gara as the record point scorer in the history of the competition but also the fact that Ireland and he led Ireland to a fourth Grand Slam in total. Not him but Ireland's fourth ever Grand Slam and the first one sealed in Dublin on St. Patrick's Day. So Johnny Sexton and Ireland you get the good this week. Of course you do. Grand Slam champions and drink on my boys. Drink on. The bad few bits are bad. We're going to start off Jim with Scotland under 20s again. Fair enough. 80 last week, and took 40 points this week to Italy at home. 50% better. (laughs) Very true, James.
2: Big improvement. Well,
3: I think it was 82 last week, so not quite 50%. A bit more than 50%, actually, James, if we're being pernickety. But yeah, they lost 40 points to 17 to Italy at home. Wales under 20s. I mentioned the bad this week. They got hammered 67 points to 17 by France and picked up the under-20s wooden spoon for the first time ever. What else was bad? We're going to go to England. We're going to mention England. They're going to get a, a mention of the bad third straight year that they've lost three games in the Six Nations. One, two, lost three. So pretty poor Six Nations for England. But there's two bits of bad, really. We're going to start off with Angus Gardner for missing a very clear offside, and the TMO for the Scotland-Isley game, 78th minute. You've got to pick the big decisions. You've got to get them right. That was a big decision that could have given Italy a chance to win the game. But the big one, Jaco Piper, you're going to get the bad this week. A horrific decision to red card. Freddie Stewart, completely disagree with it. And he's got history of the old elbow from the World Cup and taking pictures. So I reckon... How funny
2: was that picture from the World Cup Goody?
3: I reckon he was doing it all around Copperface Jacks on uh, Saturday night. So um, Jaco Piper, you get the bad this week for giving a shocking red card. And the ugly, only one bit of ugly really. And I mentioned it earlier, the extra Chiefs won the Premiership Cup, on Sunday. But anyone that has a look at the game or watched it, Giannis Kirsten, big ball carry on about the 79th minute into London Irish defence, got hit and stripped, and he clearly looks like he was unconscious on the floor. And eventually the physios come over, get him up, and he plays on. So uh, not a good luck. Uh, He got smashed by Kieran Parker, looked like he was out cold. And the ugly is the fact that if someone's out cold on the floor and they're looking conscious, get them off the field. Because we know where we are with all that stuff around head injuries and what's going on in the game. So a real ugly luck for the game.
0: Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout outs to finish off with, don't you?
2: Yeah, we have. And we've done this shout out before. I think it was last year or the year before. But it is a big shout out to Leicester coach Will Finlay for running 250 kilometres in 50 hours for people with blood cancer It's one of these charities that's close to and Goody's heart because it affected our great friend Tom Young's and the passing of his beautiful wife, Tiffany. So, Will Findlay, big shout out to you, mate. That's some feat, and we'll keep talking these things up and raising profile around this horrendous disease. If you want to donate and just look what he got up to, just search Will Findlay on justgiving.com. Any donations would be greatly appreciated.
3: Please donate and a massive shout out as well to Malden Rugby Club and their first team who have just won their league title in counties to Essex going the whole season undefeated for a second season running. So well done to the Malden boys.
2: Nice Malden. Another shout out then to another club. Castle Donington men's 15s in the NLD Merritt West. That's a mouthful. For completing the season unbeaten in 16 games. Come on the Castle, Donington men's 15s in the NLD Merit West League.
3: Yeah, and also the Haringey Rhinos have been in touch to say they are on the lookout for new players. So maybe the Castle Donington boys could send a few up to the Haringey. So anyone in the North London area look to either get their boots back on or give the Rhino lads a shout out. They could do with some players. So find them on Instagram by searching Haringey Rhinos RFC.
2: Another big shout out as well to the boys in blue, the police Scotland Thistles, who tasered their way to the semi-finals by tasering all the offers. Op- no, they didn't really, but they've made it anyway to the semi-finals of the PSUK Cup and they'll face the Kent Police, who've got a brilliant tasers as well. So whoever's got the best tasers and who doesn't get affected by getting tasered. Come on, Kent Police. Cannot Ken be posh. These lads are hard.
3: No, nah, we want the Kent Police because England need to beat Scotland at something this
2: year. Oh, go on then. Yeah, I don't mind if that is the case, but I don't think they will because Scotland Thistles a lot harder. Go well, lads. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, producer Rob. And thank
0: you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify.
2: Rugby Spot Hard. Pod, pod 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 Pod.
4: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing.